Listeners, and welcome back to Real True Facts, the Real True Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Montgomery. And I am Fred Mercury. Not that one. Not that one. Uh, today we are in an eternal battle for our souls because we are talking all about angels and demons. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, just kind of bringing everyday life to the forefront. Uh, we've touched on this stuff, you know, the devils and, uh, you know, maybe some ghosts and higher powers. But uh, this will be cool to, um, you know, really get down and down and dirty, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very intellectual show today because... In order to talk about angels and demons, I feel like there has to be a deeper discussion. And I'm going to throw out a big word here, uh, a deeper discussion about dichotomies, like uh, good versus evil, spirituality versus religion, science versus mysticism. Um, I think, yeah. We could say even say dualities for those who don't want to get out the dictionary or thesaurus. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, Uh, yes, opposites uh, between two completely different things. So, uh, you know, it can get kind of heavy. So I think. We'll do our best to moderate between those things, uh, but I think primarily we're trying to find out today, do angels and demons exist and are they among us? Yes. And what do they want? What are they doing? Uh, that's extremely interesting. You know, they've been talked about for so long. Uh, maybe we actually have the science now to um, to take a deeper look and get some real answers, some real facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... We'll get into it later today. Our guest today is an expert in all of that stuff. We'll talk to him later. And we'll talk to our science bad boy, Dr. Seymour, about all of that. Because we want to get a science foundation between all these things. You know, If you listen to our episode about the Jersey Devil, that was pretty much confirmed to be the devil himself. So we know these things exist. Uh, but in what capacity? And uh, are, are we in the middle of a, a huge battle between the two? But first, and now it's time for the UFO report. So this week, there's some some more news. There's always news when it comes to UFOs. And so that's why we like to do an update every once in a while, just to make sure everyone stays abreast. Um, and I believe you did. Uh, you had some uh, extra research, Elizabeth, this week. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, we had an article come out a couple of days ago from the recording of this episode from The Guardian. And it's about a group of aliens uh, guarding Mexico's Gulf Coast. So some citizens of that area believe that there is a group of alien guardians um, protecting the coast from natural disasters. Okay, so I saw the article. I, I saw it. I saw that it existed. Um, and but that that makes a lot more sense now that you explain it. So what yeah. gave them the that what would make people think that they're guarding this coastline? They believe that there has been an entity or a group of extraterrestrials that have an interdimensional underwater base um, underneath the uh, coastal city. I believe it's the two cities of Ciudad Madero and Tampico. Um, And it's been there for more than 50 years. And they believe that these beings are emitting a force field of positive energy, uh, I think that's what it boils down to, um, that they are protecting this area from hurricanes. And that area is on the verge of having a pretty gnarly hurricane season, but there are a lot of citizens of that area that believe that they are in no danger, that this entity or entities is uh, protecting them from this danger. 
Wow, we're, we may have to make a note of that uh, for either a future episode or to uh, to ask Dr. Seymour about when it comes to this kind of um, because there sounds like a lot of science going on here as well. If uh, if there aren't storms happening at the normal rate, or there are, but everyone's living, I, yeah. you know, it sounds pretty curious. They feel protected, and, and this comes from members of the Association of Scientific UFO Research in that area. And uh, you know, there's been a statue erected to this alien. Uh, that they believe is protecting them. Um, and I just think that it's really cool because when people say like, oh, good vibes, we want good vibes, good vibes only. And this is what they are saying is the epitome of that because they believe that believing in this and that they, the collection of people emitting this positivity and believing that these forces are protecting them, that is what co- is causing this force field to repel any sort of danger from the area. Yeah, well, and I mean, it's good to know that not only humans are, you know, needing to be positive, but uh, extraterrestrial and other, you know, other kinds of beings. Uh, you know, we uh, often we get too too caught up in that. You know, oh, be be kind to each other, and humans need to take care of each other. Um, but you know, we don't even recognize that we're getting help from across the the lines uh, of uh, species, the interspecies lines, even. Yeah, and uh, I think this is an excellent segue into our main topic today because it is all about guardians. And many people believe that angels are among us, that there are guardian angels. And so my question is, angels, maybe they are extraterrestrial. Maybe people have been seeing aliens and they think they're angels or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So I would actually like to bring up Dr. Seymour from the Science Bunker right now to consult on this. Uh, Dr. Seymour, are you here with us? Yeah, I'm here. How are you doing today? Good. So I've got an important question for you regarding this. So looking at our article and how the mind might have something to do with perpetuating good and evil, what can you say about the, imp- the power of intention uh, with an area um, like coastal Mexico or even our topic today talking about angels and demons? With these people, is this a man-made thing? Are we guided by a spiritual force? Like, is this in our heads or are we guided by something deeper? That's a great question. There, there's been a, a lot of research um, in that field. It's, it's, it's a question that's, that's not new, obviously. Um, but each time it pops up in a different incantation, we, we ask it afresh. Um, and it, it's... The answer seems to be very closely tied to, to personal experience, to, to past history. It's almost, there's this big crossover. You talk about, we've got all of our different senses there. Um, but there's an incredible connection with smell in a way that we wouldn't expect. And having visited different parts of Mexico and experienced the good, the bad, and the other smells, um, the, the coast of Mexico definitely evokes a, a memory and therefore a feeling of protection. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah, it goes back to, you know, being a product of our senses, you know, everything we take in, uh, can, uh, not only be a form of perception, but uh, almost, uh, a, a 
a form of manifestation. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and just go on the record here. And, you know, we've proved aliens are real. So, you know, that's, you know, put that on the chalkboard. And uh, I believe both angels and demons are real. Um, and now we're kind of questioning what, you know, what are they and and, and that sort of thing. And uh, Dr. Seymour, as you mentioned, this is not a new question. It's been, you know, it's been going on. It's been asked forever. Um, why, why do you think from a scientific point of view, it's still being doubted? You know, do, are there still people saying, no, that they don't exist, angels and are not real? Why, from a scientific, uh, you know, why is that? What do we need? Yeah, and it, it's very closely tied to, to my previous answer, which maybe even seems like to the layperson, I'd be maybe contradicting myself here, but um, people tend to look for answers and experiences that they have that feel very concrete. Um, so when I um, referenced the, the, the smells of a certain place, we, we connect that with a memory, with an experience, and we always connect it with some other um, concrete thing that we have experienced with a sense that we are comfortable with. Maybe our sight, maybe touch, maybe taste. But what we are finding with more and more data is that these beings, sometimes extraterrestrial, or in this case, um, from some other cosmic um, world, I guess, is, is an appropriate or cosmic um, layer of our own world, they enter our experience through smell. So the doubt comes from trying to tie it to one experience when it's really that smell that you smelled may not have been the beach, may not have been grandma's apple pie, may have been an angel or a demon, but you were looking for an explanation that was more comfortable to you or more concrete to you. Well, I think it's the brain's job to make sense of nonsense. So if we experience something we can't explain, our brain is automatically going to try and make sense of it. So you know, people always have stories of they felt like a demon was present because they smelled sulfur. Like that was a very like common thing. Even when we talked to uh, Nate last week about his movie and how smell was a huge part of people experiencing uh, the goat man. That I think that is is a huge thing, you know. And I have to ask ask too because when you have something like this article and it's happening in a coastal region, you have a very strong sense of smell with uh, the ocean and the salt. And, and we know water is a very uh, transformative and an important place. So we learned all about that with the secret biomes that water was at the crux of all of that existing. Uh, so I think there is a lot of merit there. And while we might try to explain away a few things there there are solid links for everything together which is very interesting that you bring up so let me ask um have you uh dr seymour uh, in your scientific endeavors found any proof yourself of whether it's photos or video or specimens or anything like that or heard of any cases in your scientific studies actually most of the experiences that i've had have been really hard to tie down as either um, a benevolent or mm, malevolent uh, good or evil being, but there's definitely 
something there, something that has very few, if any of the traces of the extraterrestrial, um, very few or really no um, traces of living beings and even very little with um, other, other evidence we have of ghosts. It's this, just this, um, this spirit. And I think that's exactly how, how many people would describe either an age or, or demon, this spirit that um, flows through without changing the chemical, molecular, biological structure of anything, but changes, I think, as we, a lot of us have, have um, said, the vibes of these things. So, so it's hard to, to pinpoint a, a um, concrete difference, but there's definitely a difference in the, um, to borrow a phrase from hundreds of years ago in science, maybe not the chemical um, definition of ether, but a difference in the ether. So we're dealing with energy primarily. Yes. And, and energy, not in a chemical or a potential or kinetic sense, but like in a vibe sense. Vibes, yeah. Well, I think this is an excellent starting point for everything. Uh, thank you, Dr. Seymour. Why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, we will introduce our very special guest for today. Sounds good. back from a short break on Real True Facts. And I think now we're going to go ahead and close up the science bunker, say goodbye to Dr. Seymour. He's got to head back down to the lab here. So our guest today uh, is very special and I think is going to give us a lot of insight on our topic today of angels and demons. Uh, His name is Samuel Francis. He is the thought leader of Celestial Economics based in a subdivision of UFC Social Sciences Collegiate quite the pedigree. Please help us in welcoming Samuel to the show. Hi, Samuel. Hello, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me today. Our pleasure. Um, And I must say, uh, uh, you said the thought leader of celestial economics. Um, I I just, I want to be, I I am a thought leader and it's, yeah, I, it's more of a, it's not an official thing. Um, It's, that's not like a title that the university gives out. It's, um, it's like you know social media anyways uh yeah so uh thank you for having me yeah yeah um so as you know we're talking about angels and demons today uh your title is quite long i mean we know you're a a part of this group one of the thought leaders um can you walk us through how you got interested in something like angels and demons because it seems like a very hefty subject uh, certainly. Uh, well, I was uh, raised in a uh, a religious family. Um, I myself, I I I knew that it was true, but I, I took a much more um, objective stance growing up. My uh, my my grandmother uh, was uh, was very religious. Uh, she went from like a whole Christianity thing to more of a Jesus thing later on. Um, my uh, my grandfather on the other side, uh, also very religious. Um, my grandmother on my dad's side, actually, her, her name is Orthodoxia. Um, so you can you can see the uh, the roots of uh, mm-hmm. of religion, uh, mm-hmm. even just in the naming of of uh, of the 
the my family members. Um, so what got me interested in this is as I uh, started, I went to university and started learning uh, about economics just for a regular job in uh, in the U.S. society, and I started a- applying the thoughts to what I knew about um, the celestial and and subterrestrial world. Uh, so I, I just I. I thought about it. I, I came to the University of Chicago and met some like-minded folks. And yeah, that's where we're at. That's wonderful. Um, so I know that this can be a divisive subject, but just for our listeners out there, when we let's define angels and demons because we automatically think one is good and one is evil. Angels, we believe they're benevolent. They are uh, celestial go-betweens between uh, your higher power, if you believe in that. They protect us. Uh, people believe that they protect us. And then we have demons. They are typically associated with uh, being evil. However, historically, m- they might not all be evil. Some can just be annoying or they can be mischievous. Um, in your studies, are you equally split between both, or do you focus more on angels, or do you, you focus more on demons? I'm actually very glad you brought this up. Um, the the whole uh, distinction between benevolent, malevolent, uh, malevolent, sorry, and um, whether or not angels or or demons are inherently good or evil. Because um, let me explain it to you this way. Um, Angels are inherently uh, capitalist beings, and you can tell that. You say that they're there for uh, protection, but really, when you think of it in uh, celestial terms, they're there to protect the kingdom of heaven. They're, they're, basically, they're basically protecting the property of God, the property protectors, um, which is a very capitalist idea, whereas uh, demons – are the ones who have been cast out of the nice place to live. And so they are uh, quite literally demonized and, uh, and relegated to the slums of uh, the spiritual realm. And, and you can actually, you can see the inherent bias just in even my area of expertise since it is called celestial economics, meanwhile, it encompasses both celestial, the angel world, and the subterrestrial, which is the demon world. So would uh, human souls then fall under the, the property of God? Well, that's the, that's the idea behind eternal life. You are – when you die, your spirit moves into the spiritual realm, in which case it is uh, a uh, – a property, or they get to, to decide where it goes. So if, if God wants it to remain under like an asset, if it's an asset, then it goes to, to heaven. And if it's a liability, if it's uh, a spirit that is costs more than it uh, makes, then, then it profits, then, then they relegate that to the subterrestrial world. Um, and limbo is kind of like owning uh, a mortgage where you're not quite like they don't know if you're good on your credit yet, but they're going to give you the chance. With a very high interest rate. Oh, for sure. Uh, getting to heaven once you're in limbo is 
it's very difficult and they it's stacked against uh, you for sure. Because I hear people say all the time, oh, we're on borrowed time. Well, in the case of the celestial economics, is that correct? Is that what you said? A celestial economics, yes. In the case of that, that is absolutely true because when we're gone, we go back to the big bank, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could call it that. That's uh, it's a funny way to put that, the big bank. Uh, yeah, and uh, and when and if you're in good credit, if you're all paid off, then then you you make your way in. And borrowed time is it's uh, it's a good way of putting that as well. Yeah, fantastic. So that that actually makes a lot of sense now as to why they've always been referred to as guardian angels. Um, you know, there there's property involved that they're actually, you know, guarding there. Oh, certainly. Do you think that? An angel who who is, you know, they're up there in this wonderful world. Do you think that they would come down to what is it essentially a form of limbo, uh, the terrestrial realm, and uh, and and do these things without uh, an incentive or without it being their job? It's we are uh, we're like an option. You know, you can you can exercise the option if you think it's going up, or you can just kind of leave it. Uh, uh, a call out. It, sorry, I'm getting a little bit too economic. Uh, I'm getting. Yeah, a I was always confused by options and the the sliding and uh, yeah, the I, I expiration dates. Yeah, normal stocks I can do okay, but when I get into options or you know even certain commodities, I tell you what, just get me in trouble when I see some of these high numbers. Um, yeah, it just so that's why futures in general. Understand yeah, that's it. why Robinhood had to be deleted from uh, my phone. It's just a bad idea. Sometimes I say diversify my portfolio just to sound smart at parties, but uh, I, I I never really know exactly what that means. But uh, walking it back a bit, so it, what's interesting to me is it sounds like, I mean, are there, uh, so it sounds like there may not actually be like, you know, there's a good and an evil. There's just this huge spectrum. And uh, whether it's an angel or a demon is it more of a matter of perspective. Oh, certainly uh, a spectrum that uh, it's a good way to put that because, yes, uh, what let's take into account the hierarchy of angels um so at the highest order you have seraphim cherubim and thrones and thrones just in the name itself that's it's a very kingly or presidential kind of sounding thing in the middle order there's dominions virtues and powers uh, dominions uh you could call that a state you know state uh government lowest order principalities archangels and angels principalities municipalities, archangels, cops, you know, uh, and that's, that's what the archangels are there for, to punish the wrongdoers, really. Uh, so in angels themselves, they have a, 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 an, a hierarchy, but uh, then kind of as you go down, you get worse and worse demons as well. And again, as you put it, it is based on uh, your perspective of what is worse. Because you know, are they worse for fighting against uh, the the hierarchy that was imposed upon them, you know, by uh, by God and and or whatever you want to call him, uh, and uh, and all of these angels? I I don't necessarily think that uh, all demons are bad, and many of them, 
as you mentioned before, have, uh, have actually came, come back to the terrestrial world because that's where they feel that they have the most agency. Because uh, when you're stuck in the subterrestrial, um, you, you know, you're stuck in this hellscape, quite literally a hellscape. But if you can find your way back into the terrestrial realm, you know, you will terrify quite a few people and you have to stay hidden because then it brings up a lot of questions that you're not quite ready to answer. But that's where that's what uh, the Jersey Devil is. That's what the Wendigo is. You know, those are just uh, reincarnations of, uh, of demons that have come back to the terrestrial realm. Yeah, that, ma- that makes so much sense when you put it that way. Now, I, w- I want to ask you, are the angels and demons among us? Have they taken on human form? Because when you said Jersey Devil, you know, we're looking at something that is a physical creature with us and perhaps finds host bodies or is eternal that is always here. Um, have we adopted this angel and demon um have we adopted these figures into our society have they always been here or do they come and go like what is their presence on a daily basis on a daily basis i would say that more often than not and you may you may get this in you know just the the order that we see in our own society that the ones that tend to come back as uh human looking tend to be uh angels really um and it's it makes sense because if you're coming from a place where uh you have basically a better passport to the terrestrial realm you're going to have a much better form whereas if you're coming from a place that not a lot of people want you to come from uh you're going to have to settle for something a little bit less so uh and again this is this is not saying uh taking into account that angels are not objectively good um I feel like they are uh, kind of, they can be the ones imposing these uh, these capitalist structures on us. So it sounds like the ideas of good and evil are on a very sliding scale. Oh, certainly. It depends on what you want to get out of it, on where you are positioned uh, in that, on that sliding scale, and uh, what you can get out of it simply by being there. So in your experience, uh, what uh, what are some of maybe the, the larger events or maybe reported sightings or anything that have actually been accurate or true? Or even as far as, you know, on the show, we do uh, like to talk about popular media sometimes. Are there any um, uh, movies or television shows that kind of get it right or, or at least close to getting it right? I would say, uh, do you remember the, the movie uh, The Devil's Advocate? With Keanu, uh, with, uh, yeah, with Keanu and um, uh, Al Pacino. Al Pacino, and Al Pacino is uh, is the devil they say, and um, he's kind of uh, and he has this uh, he's affecting the life of this lawyer, uh, hence the very uh, well punned name, the Devil's Advocate, and uh, and. Uh, he comes back as Lucifer, I believe, which is uh, he's one of the top level demons. So, of course, he has a much uh, easier time getting uh, like something like a a human's form. And uh, and his goal throughout the movie is more just to uh, have him rebel against the church. 
uh, and uh, and against those who would impose order on him. So it's a it's a very he's a very rebellious figure, but uh, I don't know if I would necessarily call him bad. And uh, if you have seen the on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you have seen the documentary The Family, you could find it on Netflix now. Oh yes, I remember um, that one. Yeah. Yeah, and it has to do with uh, this large kind of shadow uh, organization that has is based in the United States and uh, basically is there to entrench a certain way of thinking about Christianity into uh, both our government and uh, the governments of the world. And uh, and Doug Coe, uh, I, I strongly believe that Doug Coe is a, uh, a seraphim. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's there, he's kind of whispering in the leaders of the world's ear that this is how the world should be run. And it is a very a very top-down, power-heavy world. Well, we have spoken in great detail about secret societies on past shows, so it's very interesting that you bring up uh, angels and demons being involved in those societies. Um, it sounds like they're using these uh, intellectuals or heavy hitters within our society to further advance their agenda. And so now that we have a basic knowledge about what they are doing, I'd like to know why they are doing it, that why they are treating our souls like tradable commodities or, you know, souls as money that ends up going back to a bank or, or owned property. What do you believe in your professional opinion and the research that you've done? Why are they doing something like this to humans? Uh, gentrification. Mm. Moving into uh, the realm of uh, other, the property that could go either way and just trying their best to uh, to encompass more and more spirits in uh, and kind of turn them into uh, a property that they would want to own. So by imposing your views on the terrestrial realm uh, and having more and more people believe in, and feed into that system, you're basically creating more souls that afterwards you can then bring into heaven uh, and not uh, and take away basically from the subterrestrial realm of uh, hell, if you will. So, so when the rapture comes and they take all of us wherever we're going to go, that leaves space for them to come and inhabit this area that they've been working on for eons. Oh, by property, I mean uh, people's spirits and, oh, and soul. I thought maybe yeah. they were coming down here to party or something. <laughs> uh, well, it's... I feel uh, once that happens, I feel like uh, I think that they know that because hell is subterrestrial and it is within it's it's beneath the terrestrial realm, whereas the celestial realm is kind of separate on its own, um, that eventually the subterrestrial realm will, in terms of landmass, eventually take over. And that's why the people who uh, are worthy will go up uh, where the people who are not will then stay on Earth and be uh uh, in theory, uh, taken over by uh, demons and those of the subterrestrial realm. Wow. 
that's yeah it's it's pretty dense and i i i think maybe we'll take a quick break i, I need some time to wrap my head around it yeah. if, if uh yeah. that works for everyone that sounds good uh we will be right back back from a quick break here on Real True Facts this week discussing uh, angels and demons with Samuel Francis from um, from the University of Chicago, correct? Uh, what, Samuel? Uh, a sub-subdivision of, uh, of their social sciences collegiate, yes. Uh, I can't officially okay. uh, say that I'm from University of Chicago, though. Oh, well, I'll, I'll scratch that then in, in post. Um, so it's, thanks for coming on. And it's really interesting to uh, talk about this from a high level. Um, and, you know, you talked about your background and, you know, you have a religious background. I have to wonder, have you personally had any experiences uh, with um, one of one of these beings? Uh, um Yes, I. I, uh, I guess I, I should say, not, have you had an experience that you would like to share? And if, if not, <laughs> that's understandable as well. We will remind you, uh, Mr. Francis, that this is an incredibly safe space. We are fact finders. This is a public service that we do for all of our listeners. And we have a lot of guests on that feel like they're taking a chance um, revealing something, but ultimately it is very cathartic. And it helps people learn. So if any sort of experience you might be reluctant to share, I would implore you not to be reluctant. You, you can share that here. Okay. Uh, thank you. I am generally, um, I try to stay away from the emotion of, uh, of this simply because I am looking at it from a very um, scholarly perspective. But y yes, actually. There was a, at my uh, grandmother's funeral, the one that I told you before, uh, was a, uh, she was very religious and towards the end of her life, she kind of was more focused on, uh, on Jesus than the whole of Christianity. Uh, that was, in a way, her way of kind of accepting some of the things that evangelicals didn't necessarily, but uh at her funeral, I went down to Texas, Dallas, where uh, she lived and where she was being buried. And amidst my uh, extended family uh, on my mom's side, I, I had written a song. And I don't write songs. I, I'm... I'm I'm a student of, of economics and I, I don't really have too much of an artistic bone in my body, but I wrote a song and it was interesting writing it. I wrote it on the plane on the way there. Uh, and it was as <laughs> if there was a, a hand, like a, a hand guiding mine. Uh, to write the lyrics. And it was basically a story of her life, but then also of where she would go in the afterlife and how the people would carry on. Um, and uh, it was called the, the Ballad of, uh, of Nora. 
And it was very long. It was about a five minute song, entirely acoustic with just me singing to my acoustic guitar. I brought my acoustic guitar and at the wake, I sang it and there was an energy in the room. Most of my family is religious. As I told you, I kind of separated myself and became a little bit more uh, of, a, of a, not secular, but a, a, took a more scholarly objective viewpoint of it. But there was this energy in the room, this vibe energy, if you would, um, it just transformed the whole place. And honestly, I played it in subsequent months at local bars because I wanted to see if I had something in terms of songwriting. And the response I got there was not ideal because it was a five minute Mm -hmm. song and I had usually two songs and an open mic and you don't want somebody going up to an open mic with an acoustic guitar playing for seven plus minutes. And, uh, And I realized that the only power that it had was in that room surrounded by those people with her spirit in the room. Yeah. Without that, without that power, the song loses its power. And so, although I played it about five different times over the course of that open mic at fog lounge, um, it never got popular. The first time, However, somebody did come up and say that it was sweet that I wrote a song about my grandmother. So that was nice. Yeah. Mm, sure. Yeah, that's it's understandable. I mean, especially today, um, yeah, anything longer than a couple minutes is difficult. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's more of a, a B-side, probably. Right. Yeah. Not really <clears throat> but in that but moment, the, that, that first time that you played it, a, a spirit was with you. Spirit was with me. Spirit was with everyone in the room, uh, and it, I don't. It wasn't only my my grandmother. I do. There was the lights were were brighter. The uh, there was kind of a hazy feel to the room where there was just a swirling of energy. And although I was reading off of a paper because I hadn't quite had time to memorize it, it was as if the words were just flowing out of me. See, this is where my belief of angels comes into play because, you know, I'm listening to you talk about economics and things like that. And and it makes a lot of sense, but I have such a hard time grasping and believing that angels exist purely in that, uh, that capitalist way that you were talking about and stories like this, I really relate to. I believe that Years ago, I had uh, an experience with an angel myself, and in that moment, you know, I'm not thinking about uh, the uh, the value of my soul. I'm thinking about the way I felt in that moment and, and how safe and protected I was. And uh, you know, you you have to believe with with uh, experiences like that. The thing that Dr. Seymour was explain it to us eloquently about uh, energy and the senses and the vibes. Uh, I really think that when you get down to knowing whether you had an encounter or not, it, it comes down to the way that you felt and listening to your story and how powerful that moment was is uh, no, no shadow of a doubt that you experienced an angel in that moment and, and could be uh, Nora's angel if it inspired you to make this song. 
if and it's still a, a a question of mine whether or not uh human souls can actually turn into uh angels and if they do what hierarchy what part of the hierarchy they're in um but honestly uh she was so a part of the order in this on this plane that i i uh it, it's quite possible that she could have just you know skipped right to angel for sure yeah like the better of a person you were on earth the higher ranking angel you can be you know they always have stories and movies of angels earning their wings it's like well if you do certain things on earth you can immediately earn your wings when you get to heaven well i don't know if it's necessarily the better of a person you are uh because that is subjective uh like she was um very homophobic uh and uh she profited uh, quite a bit from uh uh, the privilege uh, assigned to her from marrying a very rich man. So I wouldn't necessarily uh, say that she was better than other people, but she was much more, uh, she was much more ingrained in the order that is set forth. Okay. So maybe she's almost as if she were rewarded for following the rules. Yes, basically, even though she was, you know, a rule breaker, uh, which just meant that she screwed with service staff a lot, which was fun, but also a little um, terrible to watch. Uh, it was great for the people who knew her. Uh, and yeah, uh, other than that, though, in terms of uh, morality and uh, spirituality, she very much followed the path, in quotes. Well, I'd like to thank you for sharing that story. I mean, it, it seems like a very personal story, and we always want to sing the praises of, of those who have passed. But, um, you know, it, it's very uh, fascinating to me hearing a story like that. Because when you say the path, it's like it, it calls to mind those secret societies again. And we're thinking like heaven or hell or or purgatory, whatever you want to call it. Like these sound like three major secret societies that are really – running the show they're calling the shots for all of our lives on earth and so there's really an ethical standpoint too is that should these angels and demons be running our lives is there anything that we can do about it are we complicit i guess from your background samuel um what do you see happening let's do some projections what, what do you see happening with uh humankind as we continue along this path, as you say? Well, as you might imagine, it's been quite difficult to uh, garner support outside of our uh, little enclave for this way of thinking. Uh, the uh, religions of the world are very ingrained and much more inviting and people grow up in them. So to suddenly toss some academia at them about this uh it's we're not the most widely accepted uh belief center and i feel like it's only in acknowledging uh these societies and how they do affect us and what the actual uh ethical way to deal with that is um be because they impose us a, a sort of morality uh people tend to look at morals over ethics uh, regularly, just because it's it's a much more subjective and belief based thing that you can't 
people can't just take away from you. Uh, I feel like it's going to be very difficult. I feel like we are willing participants without knowing that we're willing participants. Because uh, as much as we are influenced by even uh, governments and led to believe what we what they want us to believe from those, think about a, a society that you not only can't film, can't join, can't, you know, there's, it's more secretive than something like the family because even if they're around, there's no physical evidence that they are around besides perhaps a change in the energy or the smell or other senses. So it's, uh, I feel like we don't really have a choice. And I think a lot of people are okay with that. Um, maybe it just comes down to the kind of marketing that they've been able to do that uh, the public perception of an angel is very highly regarded and, and you know, people want to experience things. And they always say, oh, my angels are with me. They're doing this. And uh, people want them around. Um, demons, people don't want their demons. They want to purge themselves of, of their de- demons or their inner demons that uh, they get a really bad rap. And uh, some philosophers, uh, I believe it was Socrates, uh, who held the belief that demons weren't necessarily evil. And, uh, you know, a lot of times these philosophers are kind of lambasted for their radical beliefs. But, uh, you know, I, I think occasionally people do stumble upon the truth there. Now, I'm not saying that uh, angels are, are bad. I don't think they are. Um, I know from a uh, Bible standpoint that they were described as being fearsome creatures and that if we were to lay our eyes on them, we would not be okay. We would be terrified. And, uh I think that, uh, you know, through the ages, there has been this really fascinating, and I say that a lot, but a very fascinating shift of, uh, of people understanding what an angel actually is and, and what they believe an angel to be. You know, is this the thing that's on top of our Christmas tree or is this something with a fiery sword that is doing, you know, this, this righteous work? You know, I, I think it could be any of those things. Yeah, and then we're inundated with, with uh funny anecdotal uh, depictions of them, such as John Travolta's Michael, uh, that, you know, they're, oh, angels are just like us. But really, uh, yeah, it, the true form, you'd burst into flames, you know? Uh, and yeah. that always makes me laugh, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, it's a wonderful life. We've got Clarence. He's like the angel that keeps screwing stuff up and he's got to get it right. It's like, who uh, people are artists get inspired. Obviously, you were inspired uh, to write this song. Artists get inspired to write these uh, movies, songs about angels among us, and they're always painted in a very good light. and And I think I'm okay with that. I I don't know if I want to look upon something like that negatively, just because in the experience that I had, where I believe I, I did experience an angel and the healing properties that they have. Uh, I find a lot of comfort in, in looking at them positively. So, you know, is that ignorance on my part? Uh, do I need to think more? Do I need to embrace demons more? It's a, it's a very... Um, uh, well, let me counter that idea with... Uh, let Think of Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life, the one you just brought up. His whole game was tricking... Uh, Jimmy Stewart's character into uh, realizing how good he had it. Uh, And honestly, Clarence is much more of a pan character 
he's much more of a trickster and you know pan is considered a demon and although it's you know the christian umbrella of hollywood made him an angel think of the good that that trickster demon did in tricking this man by taking away all the things that he loved he's like eh, and you hear it in the dialogue as well oh you want this okay it's a be careful what you wish for scenario and that's inherently a pan uh it's a pan game oh my god I, you know i never thought of it that way i feel my mind is completely blown yeah, uh, unfortunately, I'm a little lost. I, I never did see uh, It's a Wonderful Life, but it's all still very interesting um, from what I'm hearing. And uh, so aside from maybe this, you know, this is really a, 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 um, a, a logical um, conundrum for me. So let me bring it back to what I know, uh, you know, real life. If, if you see a demon or an angel is there anything you know you need to do like a person should keep in mind or maybe i should even ask how would you know you know because we talked about what they look like or they don't look like um you know first of all how would you know and then second of all is there anything you need to to do to protect yourself or keep in mind uh well in terms of uh demons the ones that have come back you have the terrible stories of once again uh, the jersey devil or the wendigo um and uh as was has been mentioned before on this podcast uh the smells that are associated with them such as sulfur so that's kind of a, a way that you would know whether or not you actually see the demon that's kind of how you would know that it's around uh the vibe energy but in terms of actually seeing one uh a, you would never seen it. You would never see an angel in full form unless it was disguised as a human. Uh, otherwise, you would burst into flames. That's just a given. Oh, okay. And uh, the uh, for individual demons, demons are much more individualistic. It really depends on uh, uh, if you've heard folk tales of how to take care of those things, uh, of how to, um, like with the Wendigo, it's uh, uh, you need to put up markers markers uh and and bless them so that the wendigo stays within those markers and does not leave that area of whatever and then you just need to not go in that area of forest this is uh, uh it's addressed in multiple different uh documentaries on helltown uh which is uh, in ohio um but there's a whole area of forest that people just aren't supposed to go into and when they do you know it's Although demons are good people, they're also quite territorial in terms of uh, in terms of landmass. So while uh, mm-hmm. while angels are very uh, territorial in terms of spirits and souls, um, demons, especially when they come back to the terrestrial er- uh, realm, they tend to be territorial in terms of uh, land. So I would just say stay out of the way. If you do see one, run. Uh, whatever your belief is in, if you are uh, a, a Christian. Uh, uh, a Muslim, a Hindu, there are, they each have their own ways of dealing with those specific demons that are in their regions. Uh, so I would look up the specifics of it. Okay. So it's a case by case kind of scenario. There isn't just, oh, you use, 
you know, uh, uh, holy water in any case, uh, um, or use this or that. It, it, you know, you need the right tools for the job, and that, you know, that makes sense. And I, I know a lot of my questions may seem uh, simplistic because I personally, unfortunately, haven't had one of those experiences that you or it sounds like even uh, Elizabeth may have had. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get a better gauge on on that. Speaking of which, Elizabeth, you did mention that you had, you yourself has, have had a, a, an experience with an angel. Yes. Perhaps, perhaps you could uh, describe that to me, and I'll, I might be able to overlay kind of my thoughts on that if if you're oh, comfortable doing that. Uh, yes, I mean I I have um, gone my entire adult life being confused uh, about what happened. Um, and I just, I chalked it up to that. Um, it just, it's very, very quick story. I, I believe I've spoken about it uh, on the show before. Um, I, I was sick once. I had a, a terrible fever. It, it was very uh, flu-like, very debilitating. I was, I laid in bed. I was unable to move. Uh, this was an illness that happened upon me very quickly. And um, I, I was just completely out of it. And... As I laid there in bed, um, I heard a small voice. Um, sounded like it was just sitting on the on the edge of my ear. A very small voice came to me, and it said, "Go ahead." And after it said that, I shot upright in bed after not being able to move. Uh, my fever broke immediately. I was just you know, sweating just from from running a you know, 102 degree fever, just ridiculous. And uh, I was completely healed. I was completely fine after that. Interesting. So may I ask, uh, leading up to that, what uh, to that sickness, uh, was there anything in particular that you uh, any large events that had happened or any decisions that you'd made uh, leading up to that? Uh, I believe I was on the verge of graduating from college. It was during that time of my life. So it was, I think I was probably under a lot of stress with exams and things like that. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, stress tends to be uh, the pressure that we put on ourselves to get things right. Uh, and right is uh, generally imposed upon us by the order uh, by the celestial order. And mm. honestly, you could either have been uh, being held, the sickness, the fever, could have you be, been you being held uh, by the angelic order uh, before they decided to let you go, or it could have been you being released by a demon from the angelic order's uh, uh, hold on you. Either way, mm. though, the sickness itself was, in my belief, uh, imposed upon you by the celestial beings. Wow. So I, this, this is wonderful. I have gone so many years just not knowing and, and feeling deep down and, and latching onto those vibes as Dr. Seymour explained to us. And, uh, you know, I, I know we're, we're reaching the end of our show here and I just want to say thank you for coming on and, and helping us understand what these beings want from us and ultimately what happened to me years ago in the story. Um, I, I don't think I would have been able to reach this conclusion without your expertise and uh, your continued uh, education into celestial economics. So thank you. 
no problem. And I don't mean to superimpose my ideals on yours. Whatever you do believe, that is yours to, uh, to accept. Uh, I just was offering my opinion. But yes, thank you so much for having me, uh, Elizabeth, Fred. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking you, to you today. Um, and I, I hope that, uh, in closing, I, I hope that in listening to this, perhaps, uh, the idea of celestial economics uh, can perhaps uh, gain a, a larger foothold in the, uh, the thought processes of the people of the world. Wow, wonderfully put. Uh, Samuel, Francis, everybody, thank you so much for coming on the show. When we come back from another quick break, we will open up our Realtree Facts mailbag. We're back from a break on Real True Facts. Uh, let's open up our mailbag. What do you say, Fred? Yes, I'm excited to hear what we have this week. We've got a couple things. Uh, first order of business, we have a brand new email address. Oh, very good. I hope it's uh, a little bit easier to get in touch with us then. Yes. Uh, our new email address is mail at realtruefactspodcast.com. That uh, correlates with our brand new website that we have, realtruefactspodcast.com. So you're able to go there. That will link you to our Podbean channel. And so um, anyone out there, you can send us a message at mail at realtruefactspodcast.com. And uh, we also post questions to our followers from time to time on Instagram. That is at realtruefactsgram. You can follow us. Uh, today, uh, we asked, what is your favorite Real True Facts episode? Oh. Yeah, we got a couple responses. One fan wrote Loch Ness in all caps. They were <laughs> all very, caps, okay. Yeah, they thought Loch Ness was our best episode, that it was their favorite. Um, if you have not listened to that episode, check it out. Uh, we've got some fans there. Another one wrote, your show rules. Uh, it's not really a question. It doesn't really answer the question that uh, that we asked, but that's okay. Um so you're, you're always uh, able to engage with us on Instagram as well. Occasionally we'll post questions to you, so make sure you follow us. Uh, and uh, so we do have two questions today. Uh, we had one from Anonymous that asks, are crop circles made by aliens? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I, well, let me counter that with another question. I'm, I mean, if, uh, if not, then who made them? Yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah, I, I don't, uh, you know, what's the, what's the better alternative? I'm listening. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe some people like, I mean, some people make corn mazes in the fall time. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen uh, photos of a corn maze from, you know, aerial photos of a corn maze. Yeah. Um, but if I had to guess, I would say that they're not quite as intricate as crop circles. But, yeah. I mean, obviously you know. square, I, I think, sir, you know, crop circles. You know, square mazes. Um, Interesting. You know, so maybe some people out there just like to make circles. You know, I see people with uh, farms, they will mow designs into their fields uh, with like a writing okay. lawnmower. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yep, and they'll write a message or something like that. Yeah. yeah okay, like, so maybe it's um, maybe it's just farmers who, farmers. you know, are government subsidized and, you know, they don't have much farming to do, so they're just going to spend their time making cool geometric patterns. In, yeah, in, uh, so it's like and, uh, doodling on a really uh, large piece of paper. So uh, are crop circles made by aliens? Maybe. Maybe they're just farmers. Maybe they're just bored farmers. Or uh, maybe there are aliens. Which, wow. uh, 
We know there are, but are they big enough to make crop circles? I don't know. They're busy protecting us from hurricanes. Um, we have uh, another email for another anonymous one. Asks, uh, why is it so hot out? Six months ago, it wasn't hot. Oh boy. Yeah, that's a big that's a big nut. Uh, ah. Yeah, that's a big can of worms. I mean, you know, there's global warming, there's aliens, there's uh-huh. uh, you know other beings out there affecting yeah. things. Uh, d- you know, and it depends on who's asking the question. Maybe they're in their own sort of uh, secret biome, if you will. So yeah, yeah. that's something we learned about recently. Yeah, I mean, where are they? Where they were six months ago? It wasn't hot. Maybe six months ago, somewhere else, it was hot. So where are you? Again, yeah. Sometimes the best answer is a question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to sound combative, but, uh, you know, could it have just been changing of the seasons? Well, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe, um, I, I like to believe that we have some uh, very well-educated and enlightened listeners. We do. Um, you know, who can email us at mail at real true facts podcast.com and they can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, really anywhere that fine podcasts mm-hmm. can be heard. Also, YouTube. Yes, I know. Yeah, we're even on YouTube for the folks who that's what they use for their media and uh, they like the YouTube. So we're on there for you folks as well. Yeah. We're all about accessibility. We want to make sure that if you want to listen to us, you can. So you can do that on all of those places. Uh, send us a question. If we like your questions, we'll read them on the air. We just did that now. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Um, you can find out more info behind our shows um, and ask questions in that way if you want to slide into our DMs like the kids do. Um, and uh, you can find more info. For example, if you tuned in to our last episode, we uh, – Talk to Nate Ruger about his movie, Trust Me. We have linked all of that information on our Instagram so you can find links on uh, where to watch it on YouTube. I think at, at, the, at this time it has accumulated over 50,000 views. Uh, which which is great. So we wish him the best of luck with all of that. But you're uh, able to find all sorts of nifty facts on our Instagram too. So... I think that's all we have for mail, so we, we can go ahead and close up our mailbag. Uh, very enlightening show today. I am uh, I, I feel very moved. I feel good about what we learned today. Yes, and uh, that's what we're what we really set out to do is uh, you know reveal the truth, uh, and sometimes it's um, more. Uh, sometimes it takes us to a happy place. Uh, like uh, you know, I still remember the Bigfoot episode. It, you know, we had oh, a really yeah. kind of love love feeling coming out of that and sometimes it takes a dark turn you know uh with the jersey devil and other beings like that but uh this episode yeah it's kind of a positive vibe because it lets you know there's a spectrum and it's not just hey this is bad this is good yeah it's not black and white um which i don't I, i think the world is is not like that i think there's a lot of you know, gray area places. But I mean, I think we can honestly say, yes, there are angels, there are demons. I, I think some of them are looking out for us. Maybe some demons are looking out for us. Maybe I, some angels aren't. I think so. I definitely agree with, I definitely agree with that, Elizabeth. Yeah, I think I think so too. So, you know, we'll leave you with that. We always leave you with something here, but uh, we'll leave you with that. I Keep 
doing your research. All of our listeners, thank you for tuning in every week. Thank you to all of our listeners from around the world. We can't do it without you. If you like what you hear, tell your friends. Leave us comments on uh, Apple and Spotify, Podbean, all those places. Helps us do our job better and get you uh, the best content imaginable. And do your own research. There could be a demon out there that loves you and wants the best for you. So please, listeners, keep questioning your world because just because you hear about it, or read about it doesn't mean it's true. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Real True Facts, and we will see you next time.